Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Jeff Dahl, Senior Pastor of Stockbridge Community Church. I want to say thank you for joining us online. It is our prayer that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our Sunday services at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. If you'd like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply click the Give Online link at the upper right-hand corner in your web browser. And let me say it again, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, good morning, everybody. Let's try it again. Good morning, everybody. There you go. Good. It's so good to see you today. We're glad that you are here. Well, this morning, as Pastor Kevin said, we're talking about uh, how to have enduring faith. That's one thing to begin the journey of faith, but it's another thing to continue. And this morning, I'd like to begin by telling you a story that maybe you have heard before, but I'd like to maybe bring a new twist to it. It was about a, a couple of missionaries that actually, over 100 years ago, were leaving Sweden by the name of David and Sophia Flood. They were excited about this young couple. They just got married, and they were, their dream was to go to the Congo and, and minister to these people who had never heard the gospel. And so, they, they, sure enough, they left with another couple by the name of the Andersons, and they went with them and uh, arrived there in the Congo, and they were actually um, very excited about uh, you know, their new journey and, and what their new ministry was. And, and so they began to witness to the people, witness to the people. And it just seemed like they wasn't getting anywhere. There was hard, no one receiving Christ. The only person that was even open to the gospel was a, was a little boy that would come every day to deliver fresh eggs. And Sophia, Sophia actually would be the one that would uh, be there to receive those eggs. And she would tell the little boy about Jesus every day. And so after being there a year, Sophia had came, become pregnant and she did, delivered a child, and it was a little girl. Her name was Anaya. Anaya, uh, when Anaya was uh, born, it was a very difficult pregnancy. And 17 days later, Sophia passed away. Her husband, David, who was so distraught about all that happened, he's like, God asking all kinds of questions. God, why? You know, we give every, everything to come up here. We had no converts. And now after building his co wife's coffin and burying her, he decided that he couldn't do it anymore. And so he gave little Naya, his daughter, away to the other couple that was the missionaries there. He left and he went back home and was never heard of again. And so Anaya was raised in the Andersons' home. They stayed there in the Congo for a while. And then they moved back to the States and she was raised. She went to high school. She went to, to a Christian college and she graduated. And she met a man there and they got married. And he actually became the president of the college. And so it was an exciting time for them. But they had an opportunity to go to London and hear this conference uh, about world evangelism. So they loaded up and went to, the, uh, to London, and they, as they were listening to the speaker, the speaker's name was Rigetti. And Rigetti was speaking about how that God was doing a great work in the Congo, how that all these churches had been established, and it piqued Anaya's attention because she remembered that her parents were missionaries there. And so she went to the speaker afterwards, and she said, uh, I understand that you were in the Congo and, and my parents, you know, were missionaries there. And he began to tell the story. He said, yes, said, uh, matter of fact, said, uh, the way that I become the Christ, come to Christ was this, is that I delivered fresh eggs every day and, and said, I took them to this lady by the name of Sophia and she led me to Jesus Christ. She told me about God, showed me his love and I became a Christian. 
And because of those two missionaries and because of her, today, hundreds of churches have been started all over and thousands upon thousands of people have come to Christ. And then she revealed to him that that was her mother. Now, the, this morning, the reason I tell you that is because I want to go ahead and give you four things that I think that help enduring faith. And would you write this down for the number one point is this. Believe God is up to something when it seemed like he's up to nothing. As we talk about this, we can see that God was moving. If you were to ask David who gave up, Sophia's husband, he would have said, God's doing nothing. And in our lives today, it seems like there's many times in our lives where it looks like God is doing nothing. And there's a story in the Bible about a man by the name of Moses. And Moses felt that way in his life because Moses, if you don't know the story of Moses in Exodus, how that you know, the, the Egyptians were killing all the Jewish babies and, and Moses' mother hit him out and, and, and finally when she couldn't keep him no longer, uh, she actually put him in a basket and realized that at the time of day that the, the Egyptian's daughter would be down bathing at the river, she put her son in a basket and pushed the baby out until the baby went right in front of the daughter and the daughter got him and then the daughter raised, her, raised Moses as his, her own son in the, in the palace of Egypt. And so for 40 years, Moses is in Egypt, and, and uh, he's being raised. He's learning all the ins and outs of the government, of the Egyptian life. He knows everything about the Egyptians. And 40 years pass, and, but he sees his people, the Hebrews. He knows that he's a Hebrew, and he sees them being mistreated as slaves. And so Moses decides to do something. He decides to take matters into his own hands. So one day, he's out, and as he's out in the, in the field, he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. And so Moses gets mad about it, and he goes over and he kills the Egyptian. And so we pick up the story on your outline. Look what it says right here. Because the next day he goes out and he meets a Hebrew that's fighting another Hebrew. And this is what they said. The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you have killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and he went to live in Midian where he sat down by a well. Now, let me just explain to you, again, remembering the point that we just wrote down, how that we have to believe that God is up to something when it seems like he's doing nothing. For 40 years, Moses has watched his people be, be mistreated. And he feels like that maybe the reason that he's in the Egyptian palace is so God's raising him up to deliver his people. He takes matters into his own hands. And then all of a sudden, after he does that, that when he takes, when he takes a lead and he, he kills the Egyptian, all of a sudden, when he feels like that, you know, I'm doing something for God, he gets found about. His people turn their back on him. The Pharaoh's trying to kill him. And so he has to leave. And his question is, why, God? I feel like I was called to lead these people out. And so he, then he runs off into the wilderness. But what Moses didn't understand was this, is that there was a reason for him to go into the wilderness. He'd already learned the ways of the Egyptian. Now he had to learn the ways, learn the ways of the wilderness. While he was in the wilderness, he was learning weather patterns in the wilderness. He was learning what the wildlife was all about in the wilderness. He was learning where every watering hole would be in the wilderness. He was learning how to lead sheep in the wilderness. And all of that because God had a plan for Moses' life. And this is what I want you to understand today, is understand this, that Moses didn't realize that 
God's big plan, that when he seemed like a failure, and seemed like God was nowhere to be found, that God was up to something huge and big in Moses' life. And this is what I want you to know today, is that Moses went through what he would consider a setback. You see, in, in our lives, we sometimes have those setbacks. But this is what I want to say to you, is that when you have a setback in your faith, don't take a step back in your faith. Because God is already arranging your comeback. Did you hear that? When you have a setback, and every one of us are going to have setbacks, we're going to, there's going to be things that's going to happen in our life that we're not going to understand, and we're going to say, why God? Why did this happen? You know, where are you, God? It seems like you're nowhere around. And when those things happen to you, and they happen to me, it is a setback. Maybe you had a dream, and you said, you know, I, I want to go do this. And maybe even God, you felt God's call on your heart, and, and you took a step of faith. And when you did that, it didn't work out the way you thought it was. Matter of fact, it was a failure. And when you had that, it sets you back. You're not exactly where you thought you would be right now in life. But I want to say this. Do not let your setbacks make you take a step back in your faith because God is arranging. Did you hear that right now? God is arranging your comeback. Amen? Come on, let's just give God a hand for that. Amen? God is arranging your comeback. Would you write this down? Number two. Know that God is the God of second chances. Mm, it's just going to get better. Would you just look at your neighbor right now and say, it's going to get real good. Just hold on. Matter of fact, you may want to take your seatbelt out and buckle up right now. You see, the, the, here's the issue is this, is that Moses had lost everything. He took matters into his own hands. He went out there and he killed an Egyptian. And this is what I want to say. Moses lost everything when he lost his temper. Many of us sitting in this room today have had loss because we've lost our temper. There's marriages that have been destroyed because tempers have been lost. There's families that have been lost because tempers have been lost. There's jobs that have been lost because tempers have been lost. I would dare to say that you and I today, that when we lose our temper, we're out of control. And always remember this, when you're out of control, somebody else is in control. So when we lose our temper, we have a tendency to lose it all. And Moses did that. He, he lost it all. Now, going back, and I want you to understand this as well. Too many people give up their dreams because they feel like God has given up on them when they have a failure. That may be you today. You know, in your life today, you may have had a failure, and somebody says, listen, you're a failure, and that's all you're ever going to be. And some of you sitting in this room, you bought that lie. And I want to tell you, it is a lie. It reminds me of the story that I heard about a fortune teller. Heard a guy went into a fortune teller one time. He had his little crystal ball there, and he, uh, the fortune teller got the crystal, crystal ball out, and she said, okay, let me look in this crystal ball. And she looked at the guy and said, oh, said mine. He said, what is it? She said, I just want you to know that you're going to be miserable and broke until you're 35 years of age. The guy said, wow. He said, well, what happens after that? She said, well, you'll get used to it. <laughs> that's where many of you are living right now somebody somebody I don't know who it was 
But somebody in your life told you that you'll never be any more than what you are and that you're miserable, but you'll get used to it. And this is all you're ever going to be. I'm telling you, that's not the God that we serve. He doesn't say that. There's a better day ahead for you. Amen? There's a better day ahead for you. So we go back into the Scripture now. Look, because God's coming to give Moses his second chance. Look what happens here. It says this in Exodus 3 and 2. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Look at verse 7. The Lord said, I, indeed, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. Notice that. Now look at the next verse, verse 10. Would you take your pen out because I want you to circle these first two words as we say them out loud. You ready? Let's say them out loud. One, two, three. So now. Would you circle those two words? So now. And then the next word, would you circle it and let's say it out loud. You ready? One, two, three. Go. Come on. You ready? One, two, three. Go. So here we go. Let's say them together. You ready? Let's say those first two words. Ready? One, two, three. So now. Ready? Last word. Go. Come on. Let's do it again. So now. Go. Did you hear that? In other words, God, Moses, God had called Moses. God had called Moses to deliver these people. And, but the thing that Moses missed was not God's calling. He missed God's timing. And many of you sitting in this room today, you understand exactly what Moses went through because, you know, you know that God's called you to do something and you tried it and you took a step and you failed at it. And I just want to say this, that maybe, just maybe, you, you, did, you got the calling, you just missed the timing. And that's why God was saying to Moses right now, he said, so now... So now, not 40 years ago, Moses is 80 years old at this time. He said, it wasn't the right time 40 years, but right now, right now. So now I want you to go. I want you to go. Look what he says. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people into the, uh, my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And this is what I want you to understand. is failure is the fertilizer that grows character. Failure is the fertilizer that grows character. You see, without failure, if you don't have failure in your life, then, you know, success cannot be sustained sustained in your life. You see, failure is like, like if you don't have failure in your life, then it would be like trying to have success without roots, a tree without roots, or a house without a foundation. If you cannot succeed... Failure is the foundation. It is the substructure in which success is supported on. You see, and the problem that we have in our culture today is that, especially with our children, we don't want them to fail, do we? We're like, you know, we'll do anything to keep our children and our grandchildren from having a bad day, and we don't want them to fail. And let me tell you something. If there was one thing that Rhonda and I could go back and hit the rewind button on raising our children, it would be we would let them have more failures in their life. You see, we thought that to be a good daddy and a good mama is that we had to run and take care of every little need. If they had a little issue at school, we ran in and we tried to make it right. You know, whatever issues they had, we tried to make it right because we didn't want their little self-esteem to be hurt. Are you kidding me? Let me tell you something. If you don't let your children have failures when they're in uh, elementary school and middle school and high school, you're only delaying it until they get in their 20s and their 30s. Because, listen, you can't have success without failures. That's where character grows. 
And so God was saying to Moses that, listen, you had a failure in your life as a major failure. You've been running from it. But I want you to know that what you thought was a failure is not a failure at all. It's allowing you to look inside and grow in your character with Almighty God. That's why we have this verse on your outline, which is the memory verse. And by the way, memory verse means you memorize it. Just in case you didn't know what that meant. So this week, I'm challenging you to memorize Proverbs 24 and 16. On the back of your connection card, just to help you, a little nudge to help you, I want to ask you, would you check the box on the back of your connection card and say, I will do my best to memorize this verse. Why do you need to memorize it? Because you're going to have a bad day. You're going to have a setback, and this verse is going to help you with that. Look what it says with me. Proverbs. Proverbs 24 and 16 says this. Though the righteous fall, how many times? Seven times. Would you read what's underlined out loud with a little passion like you're giving the sermon? You ready? One, two, three. They rise again. Come on, say it again. One, two, three. They rise again. They rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. In other words, you're going to have some times that you're going to have a setback. But God's arranged your comeback already. You'll get back up if you'll just hang in there with Almighty God. It reminds me, you know, the greatest failure that in all Christendom was this, of all the world, was when Jesus proclaimed to be the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He went around, he healed blind his eyes, he touched people that were, he called dead people that were dead back to life, and he, he touched blinded eyes. He fed thousands of people, the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000 in the Bible. And so people were following him. They were followers. But when the day come that, when the day that he was dying on the cross, the day that he was nailed to the cross, and all those followers watched him die on that cross, they said, well, he's not who he said he was. It was a lo- Listen, that Friday was a horrible day, but the most miserable day for all the Christians and all the people that had followed Jesus was Saturday. He died on a Friday, but that Saturday was the longest day that had ever been recorded in history because all the hope that the world had in the Savior of the world was gone now. You see, it looked like, oh, from man's point of view, from our view, it looked like that this, this failure was final. But we know that, listen, on the third day after this long Saturday, when it seemed like God was void, that the world was void of hope, on the third day, all by himself, there wasn't a crowd there, there wasn't an army there, but on the third day, Jesus got up out of the grave, rolled the tomb back all by himself, walked out of the grave all by himself, and said, I got the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and if you need hope today, I've got it. And because we're believers and followers of Jesus Christ, we know that, listen, no matter what you're going through the day there is nothing that is impossible with God amen come on give God a hand there's nothing isn't that awesome today because he got up out of the grave the darkest day that was ever recorded in history was that Saturday but Sunday's coming and listen let me tell you something your Sunday's coming too maybe it's not the Sunday that's marked on the calendar like will be the next week within seven days from now maybe it's not that but God's got a Sunday recorded for you listen he's got your comeback that is scheduled you just got to hang in there with Almighty God amen Wow Would you just tell your neighbor, that pastor of ours is fired up today, and I'm so glad. Just go ahead and tell him right now. See, friend, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, then you have no clue what I'm talking about. So today, inside of your program, I want to read a prayer to you. 
And I want to give you an opportunity to know Jesus Christ right now. You don't have to wait to the end of the service. You can do it right now. And it's written. It's what it says. You can read it and pray it and mean it in your heart, and God will, will save you. You'll become a Christ follower. It says this, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life and help me to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Now today, if you read that and you meant it in your heart, and you, God knows what you're saying. He knows what you mean. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to check it on the back of this card. It's called a connection card so that we can pray for you and that we can send you some material and help you in your next step in your faith journey with Jesus Christ. Number three. Focus on what God can do, not what you cannot do. As we go back into the story, we see that Moses here, God has just approached him through the burning bush, and Moses all of a sudden gets cold feet. Moses all of a sudden begins to say things to God. Look what he says. Moses said, oh, God said to Moses, you're the man, you're, let's go, it's time, now's the time to go, and here's what Moses said. But Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And it's funny to me how that, you know, when God comes in and reaffirms Moses' calling, the first thing that Moses does is give God an excuse as to why he can't. I'm too old, God. I'm 80 now, so I just can't do it. Moses began to tell God that, you remember those Hebrews, God, they got mad at me. That's why I left anyway. They, so they're mad. At, your people are mad at me. So God, I can't go back. They don't like me. And God, Pharaoh, he doesn't like me. He's mad at me too. He's going to kill me. I can't go back. And by the way, God, I'm not a good speaker. I stutter when I get under pressure. I just, I just can't talk in front of a crowd, God. You know that. It's amazing to me. Who am I? When we say that question to God, who am I? What we're saying is that my future will be determined by my past. And this is what I want you to know. The devil will remind you of your past every time you get ready to do something for God. How many of you know that the devil continues to remind you of your past? Let me see your hands, all right? Yes, that's the majority of us in here, and he will. He reminds you of your past. But let me tell you something. He didn't remind you of all your past. He only reminds you of parts of your past. And the parts of your past that he reminds you of is the ones that you had failures in. Do you realize that that's why when you look back over your life, you feel like a failure because the devil highlights those failures. But I want to tell you something. In your life, you've had more successes than you have had failures. You just can't remember all the successes. You remember the failures. And I'm telling you, looking back is not what we do. We look ahead. We reminded that God has been there for us in the past. He will be there for us in the future because he has done great things for us and through us and around us. We've seen God's hand. We've seen His hand. You see, if you only look at yourself to find your future, you only see failures. And my friend, that's a dead-end road. You can't look back to find your future. You look ahead in Almighty God. Now, so we begin to look at this story again. Again, God is telling Moses, and Moses is giving God, God all these excuses why I can't. And here's what Moses... Moses, uh, God says to Moses, who, this is who you're to tell them that's sending you. Here's what he said. God said to Moses, 
I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. Would you read what's underlined out loud with me? Like you're giving the sermon today. You ready? One, two, three. I am. Come on, do it again. You ready? One, two, three. I am. So tell them I am has sent me to you. What is amazing to me is this. In every one of our lives, every one of our lives here today, every time that God challenges us to do something, we use a, we use a statement, who am I? Who am I? I'm not that person. I'm not the person I used to be. I'm not where I used to be. I'm not who I want to be. And we use all the I am nots. And I just want to say this to you today. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're using those I am nots. The good news is that God knew that the people of Israel were going to use those same words, that Moses was going to use those words, and that we would be using those words today. And that's why he said, listen, don't worry about it, because whatever you're not, you're not I am. Did you hear that? When you say, you know, I'm not powerful. God says, I'm all powerful. You say, you know, I, I don't have all the wisdom. God says, I am all wisdom. You say, God, I don't have the strength. I'm not strong, God. God says, I am the strongest one you will ever need. I am whatever you need. When you walk into that camp tomorrow, Moses, I want you to tell them that whatever they need, I am. If you need water, I'm water. If you need food, I'm food. If you need strength, I'm strength. If you need joy, I'm joy. If you you need hope, I'm hope. If you need happiness, I'm happiness. Whatever you need, I am. Wow. That's why you need God. Because you're not. I'm not strong. I'm not wise. I'm not loving. But God says, I am. And when I connect to I am, guess what? All of a sudden, I am strong. I am wise, I am loving, and I am kind when I'm connected to I am. It amazes me because I know that God has moved in my life many times and in your life as well. There's been times that I have not been what I needed to be. I knew I wasn't that, and there would be times that I needed to make a decision, I needed wisdom, and I, I am not wise. And so I would pray and after that decision would happen, you know, all this, I would meet, have the meeting, or had to make a decision, and, and it come to pass, and the decision I made seemed like I had all knowledge. And I knew that God had showed up. I am not, but I was connected to I am. It sort of reminds me of the story of the elephant and the mouse walking across the bridge. The elephant and the mouse walk across the bridge, and the bridge is just shaking like crazy. They get to the other side of the bridge, the little mouse looks up at the elephant and said, we shook that bridge, didn't we? I'm telling you, my friend, when you got God and you understand that you are not, but he is, friend, you feel like that mouse all the time that whenever those good things happen in your life, you know it's not you and you know that, hey, he did it, but hey, you had a part of it because he is all that you're not. I am the great I am. Takes us on back to the story. Now look what happens here. Moses continues to give God all those excuses. He says, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't. Look what the Bible says. In chapter 4 and verse 14, it says, the, the Lord became angry. All right, he said, your brother Aaron is a good speaker. He is coming here to look for you. Notice that. God already had a connection on its way. He already had another person moving in that direction already. He was already coming. Here, look for you, and Aaron is a good speaker. He will be coming here to look for you and will be very happy when he finds you. 
So I will tell you what to tell him. And notice this, I will help both of you speak well, and I will tell you what to do. Now this is what I want you to understand. You may not get anything else, but get this. The problem that we have more than anything else is this, is that we think life is all about proving ourselves when it's all about improving. We think that life is all about, I've got to prove myself. I've got to prove myself to my girlfriend, my boyfriend. I've got to prove myself to my parents. I've got to prove myself to my employer. I've got to prove myself to my neighbors. I've got to prove myself to everybody. No, 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 no. We missed it. Life is not about proving yourself. It's about improving. And the way that God, God knew that Moses, when Moses was saying, you know, well, I just got to prove myself to those people. No, 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 no. God says, I've got a connection on your way. You don't have to worry about in, uh, proving yourself that you're a good order because I got someone that's coming your way, Aaron, who's a good speaker, who's going to help you learn how to speak. And notice this, God didn't take Moses off the hook. Moses still had to talk to Pharaoh. He had to still talk to the people, but God sent Aaron along his way to teach him how to speak. You see, 99% of the answers that you need in life from Almighty God are not going to come in an audible voice. It's not going to come through a dream. It's going to come through a connection that you're going to make in life that God's going to speak to you through somebody else. You see, improving 99% of the times means you've got to make a connection. Because if you don't make that connection, you're going to... Aaron was on his way already. He was on his way. God has someone on their way right now that has an answer for you that you can't figure out. And you don't even know who they are, but God has them on their way. And that connection. You're going to quit living life like you've got to prove yourself, and you're going to improve through that connection. And one of the ways that we have that at SEC to help you make those connections that you can improve in your marriage, in your finances, in every area of your life is called connect groups. Inside of your uh, catalog, right, or inside of your program right now is a catalog. It looks just like this. Would you take it out? There's over 20 groups right here for you to choose from. And my question to you today is, do you want to miss God? Because God hasn't, He already has these lined up. He already has these people lined up so that you can make connections. I can tell you that I am a better man today because of the connections I made through God's family, and I'm actually going to be in a group and lead one. You know why? Because I'm going to meet some people that's going to help me improve. It always happens. It always happens. And so I want to challenge you today to make that decision to be a part of one of our groups. Number four, let go of it so God can change it. Oh, hold on. Don't, don't. Don't just discount me yet. Go back into the scripture. Look what happens. Moses said, God, I got the people's got to know the Egyptian king, the ruler, Pharaoh's got to know that you're sending me. What am I going to do? And look what God said to him. The Lord said to him, What is in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground. It became a snake, and he ran from it. That would have been Jeff. I'd been hot to mighty nose. I would have scared me to death. I just want to tell you right now, the only good snake in my book is a dead one. Now, I'm sorry, listen, but you know, in the beginning in the Bible, the Lord said there'd be trouble between man and the serpent, and I want to tell you, there's still that trouble with me. All right. But you see, the staff represented that Moses' Moses's identity and his security 
as a shepherd. But also what it was, it was this, is that it was Moses' way of living. It was his livelihood. So when God told Moses to throw it down, what he was saying this, he was saying, Moses, let go of who you are. Let go of who you are and what you have in order that I might change it. See, the, the staff was just a staff. It was just a stick as long as it's in Moses' hand. But when you let go of it, you let go of who you are. You let go of the label that you put across your forehead. I'll never be any better than this. This is all that I am. And when you let go of it, God changes it. But God cannot change what you're holding on to. So the question I have for you today is this. What are you holding on to? Or maybe the question is this. What are you not willing to let go of? And whatever you're holding on to, my friend, and trying to control, I would say it's controlling you. Hey, God wants you to let it go. That's why Jesus said this. Look on your outline with me. Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? But you've got to let go. You've got to let go. And the prayer has to be, Spirit, lead me. I need God to lead me. So my question to you today, before we leave here, before we sing the song, What's in your hand? What are you trying to hold on to? Maybe it's a relationship, you know. Maybe it's a relationship, your boyfriend or your girlfriend, and it's no good for you. And you're trying to hold on. You're afraid you can't find anybody else if you let go of that. Maybe it's a dead-end job that you know you're just afraid. You make just enough money to get by, but you know you need to do something else. You don't want to do that, and you're afraid to let go of it. What is it? Maybe it's control over your children. Maybe, maybe you just got, you know, you're afraid and you're controlling them. You're trying to control your marriage, your children, and it's just killing you. Today, God says, let it go. Just let it go. This morning, would you stand with me? I want to pray a prayer with you. We're going to sing this song. This song is all about spirit, lead me, guide me. As we pray this prayer today, and at the end of this prayer, I want you to know that there'll be prayer partners that'll be down, but this altar will be open if you say, you know what, I just need to go down and kneel down, and as a symbol just to let go of something, I want you to know, feel free just to come to kneel by yourself or in your seat, but just don't leave here with it in your hand. Throw it down so God can change it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today, as we come before you, God, Lord, we know that we're struggling, oh God. And Father, we're trying to hold on to things that we cannot change. And when we do that, we're playing God. And so, Lord, today we, we put our families in your hands, oh God. We let go of it so you can change it. We put our job in your hands, oh God. We let it go so you can change it, oh God. Lord, today we put our children in your hands, so God, we let them go so you can change them, God. We put our marriage in your hands, oh God. We let it go so you can change it, oh God. Lord, we put our future in your hands. We let it go so you can change it. We pray today that you will in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. These altars are open. Thank you again so much for joining us online at SCC. I would love to know that you're out there listening and be able to connect with you. If you would, email me at jeffdaws at sccview.net. The spelling of my name is J-E-F-F-D-A-W-S. I pray you have a blessed week and join us again soon.